1: Is birth work your calling? Do you long to witness and support the awesome power of women as we make life form kinship and transform the world through undisturbed mother-centered birth? In your most expansive vision of your life, are you the authentic midwife of your community, walking in total grace, reciprocity, and trust with women through the sacred portal of pregnancy and birth? then our groundbreaking Radical Birth Keeper School is for you. It is an immersive, live, intensive mastermind in all things authentic midwifery that will give you the blueprint and guidance to launch a life-altering, world-shaking radical birth brand and business. Think Birth Business Mastermind, Life changing coaching intensive, deep dive into all things birth, step by step roadmap for serving women authentically, and the wise woman initiation that you have been dreaming of, all rolled into one epic program that will change your entire life. It is time to become the lighthouse that guides women home to ourselves. Our next round begins September 1st, 2021. Head to freebirthsocietycourses.com radicalbirthkeeper now to claim your spot and say yes to your calling. From a very young age, Emily Bruce was drawn to understanding global female oppression and committed herself to learn what she could do about the liberation of women and girls. Emily tells us of the life-changing experience of living in a mothering home that provided support to otherwise homeless women. Seeing what a woman-centered, supportive household offered and within that witnessing the sincere transformation of mothers soon cemented Emily's unwavering belief in the need for matriarchy. Now a radical birth keeper and a part of the Free Birth Society team, Emily shares her own story of transformation in birth work.
2: So I've always had an interest in children. Mostly it began with like, you know, babysitting and childcare. And I was like radicalized by the book Half the Sky at Mm, like age 13, which I know you've talked about. Yeah. And I had just an intuitive feeling my whole life that like women were the way forward and reading that book, even at such a young age, I was like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, this makes sense. That um, is a
1: hardcore book to read at 13.
2: Yeah, I was pretty young. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, it's great. It's the truth. It is what's
1: happening. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, I highly recommend it. And it's a it's an incredibly written book on uh, female oppression around the world. And each chapter takes a different issue um, of female oppression and unpacks it, explains it. And then also one of the most beautiful parts of it since obviously that stuff's not beautiful, is it follows stories of girls and women who get a chance to um, to reach beyond the, the ceiling of, of their culture's oppression. And so there, there really is a, a message of hope and in what is possible if we could wake up and, and mm-hmm. activate. And so highly recommend it. It absolutely changed the trajectory of my life. And it sounds like yours and it is intense.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I've always been kind of an intense, like even as a child, I just like, I was always interested in like prison, uh, prison work and service work and just I was never like a normal kid. I remember at like 11, I asked my mom, like, why, you know, when people get married, like, can I put the ring on my own finger? Like, why does a guy have to do it? And my mom's just like, oh my God. But so that was kind of all my, always my lens. I hope my
1: daughter's like that.
2: (laughs) And I love that you just
1: like come into the world like this, you
2: know? know. (laughs) Yeah. And then I went to an all girls Catholic high school. Which was, you know, looking back, obviously there were some parts that were like, whoa, you know, that, you know, the sexual education piece and some of the more cultural issues and religious issues that I've unpacked. But it was still a really great space for me to like grow into my confidence as a woman. Like I never really went through the... the, um the time period of being like really self-conscious, especially like around boys or anything like that. Cause it just wasn't really a part of my life in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, and in high school, I got really into kind of like the service work in the social justice world. Um, and that led me to choosing a college that was a lot more liberal and very focused on social justice again. And, um, through that, I was learning just about all different issues that I would be really interested in, like, um, you know, education or poverty or domestic violence or prison again. And I would just like dive in and try to get to the bottom of it. I felt like I was always trying to figure out like, okay, what's the thing that I can do that can make the most change and have the most impact. Um, so I ended up going with teaching and so I majored in education and I was really involved in, um, all of the schools that I would student teach at and try to really, you know, bond with the students and get to know their families and throw myself into this world. And I just pictured myself being like the community teacher that, you know, everyone goes to and, you know, a little bit of the hero complex, like, every kid loves. And, um, I just had these amazing hey, lesson you're gonna, plans. You're going <laughs> to save the world. <laughs> I'm going to save the world. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, And you know, I was really, my whole life also people were like, you know, you're too smart to be a teacher, which Whoa. is something that a lot of women and a lot of teachers here because That's it's weird. like, Yeah. Um, even like professors that I had were like, you sure you don't want to like be a superintendent or like a principal, you know? And I, I knew that I was very smart and had a different lens that I was looking through. I always looked at teaching so much differently than just like a lesson plan. And I think that's what they were getting at was Mm -hmm. that I had this like view of like, no, I'm doing this because I do want to change the world. And like, I see kids and I see families and investing in them as really important. But in that system of education, I wasn't able to do anything that I wanted. Like I had to teach certain, I had to go off scripts and I had to, Mm -hmm. you know, not say certain things and I couldn't like hug kids. I mean, obviously I did all of those things, but I just knew from like year one that I, I couldn't live like that because I was just so boxed in. Um, So when I was teaching, I, I think this is where it began. I just was like, okay, the kids are really important. But at the end of the day, the kids are going back to their families. The kids are primarily going back to their moms. And I saw firsthand the effect that like these under supported and under resourced moms, like what that was doing to the kids. Like no matter what I did, I could have the best lesson and pour so much time and energy and love into the kids. But like if they got home and mom wasn't around until 9 PM, like does nothing. Mm. Yeah. So I saw that very clearly and I loved the kids. I loved the kids that I taught um, and they changed my life, but I just knew I was like, nope, I got to go even one step more. I got to work with moms. I got to work with women. Um, So this opportunity like fell into my lap to do a, Year of service um out in Arizona where I would be living in a, a house and it's kind of based off the Catholic worker movement, um where the people who were experiencing homelessness would live with volunteers and like it was kind of like an open um community, intentional community. Um and so they took that concept and applied it to pregnant women, um, because pregnant women are often turned away from homeless shelters because of like liability issues and all that bullshit. So there were four homes in in Arizona where I was and, um, they had two volunteers who lived there full-time like house managers and then up to seven women at a time. So for a year I lived there and I, I think I mean, obviously I was like thrown into this world of birth because I just was living with pregnant women and they they weren't just like my clients. They were my sisters and like mom figures and just my inspirations for everything. And so I got to see their babies grow up. They could live there until their babies were a year old. So some women came like, you know, a month pregnant and they stayed until their baby was a year. So they lived there for so long. And, um, my role there was really just to like foster a community and like, you know, make sure everything was running as smoothly as it could be and really offer that like emotional support. But it wasn't really coming from me. It was coming from the presence of women especially mothers like gathering together and pregnant women being able to like sit with each other and there would be these really beautiful moments where I would like wake up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water and I would walk out in the living room and there would be like four moms just like breastfeeding and rocking their babies and these were women that really didn't have support before um and it was the support that made the difference in their lives it wasn't It wasn't like the roof over their heads. It wasn't me like, you know, holding their baby while they're showered. It was like the other women that they could knock on their door when, you know, they didn't know how to comfort their baby or they could talk out their birth with or discuss things that happened to them in their childhood. And I would just, I feel like I just spent that year kind of like watching from the background at like the magic that was happening. And wow yeah. And these women that on paper should have, you know, you know, they had all checked all the boxes of like, you know, horrible childhood experiences, often sexual abuse, drug and prostitution at a really young age, and then just abusive relationships, you know, all of it. And then they come together in community and heal and heal. Yeah. And like the healing is not, it's not professional like it wasn't it's
1: It's making me cry just like
2: the answer is
1: right here yeah it's just not like it's just not complicated I guess the logistics to create homes like that and the funding and the you know that stuff can be Mm -hmm. kind of complicated but the answer is right here
2: Mm
1: -hmm. seriously that's beautiful what a gift (laughs)
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was the most challenging and most beautiful thing that I'll ever that I have ever been a part of thus far. Um so, you know, with that and with my lens, you know, lot not everyone saw it that way. I was like, this is the answer, like same as you. I was just like, this is the future of the world. <laughs> totally. This is what I've been looking for, like, this is how we heal the world. Um, but you know, not everyone saw it like that. Everyone's just like, you know, this is like the job that I'm doing right now, or, um, this is really great. I'm creating a lot of relationships, but I definitely was like, this is how, how, what I want to do with my life. Like I want to always be a part of this like matriarchal healing. And so with that view and with these women that I just was so fiercely like protective of and so aware of like the deep healing that they were doing every single day, I, I was really excited for them to give birth. And I was like, just seeing, you know, how much they had healed, especially relationships with their body and with their sexuality through their pregnancy and like really coming to love themselves as like the bearer of life um I was just like wow pregnant uh, birth is going to be just the culmination of that <laughs> and yeah uh-huh. the face you're making uh-huh. right now
1: <laughs> right. let me
2: guess yeah so it was I I think back because I I didn't spend you know five ten years as a doula I didn't even spend a year as a doula because my first like it was so obvious to me it was so extreme that I had these women that I loved that I saw heal from all Mm. of this shit. I saw them go in to the hospital and I saw them come out and it was like... like Broken again. Broken again.
1: Mm -hmm. Repeat the whole fucking cycle.
2: Right. And so it was just obvious to me. And Mm -hmm. I actually didn't attend a birth because it was, you know, obviously it was like, if the women wanted you there, they would ask um, or. It wasn't always me that they asked, so I didn't attend a birth until nine months in. But I saw this so many times, and I saw the postpartum depression. I'm putting it in quotes because it's like not just something that you magically catch; catch. (laughs) it's contagious, right? Because you know we had, and and thankfully. In this home, we had the buffers. We had women cooking food. We had women up at all hours of the night. They had me that they would like knock on the door at 3 a.m. and just be like, I can't. And they would just give me their baby, you know? So all of that was there. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like the effect was less, but it was obvious to me just like the look in their eyes changed. And yeah, so I, yeah, I just see it. So clearly and even like the, no one questioned questioned this, but I always was like, it's weird that they leave and go somewhere and come back, mm-hmm. have a baby. It just felt very like disjointed. Yeah, And I was even realizing that, you know, without even ever having attended a birth. So when I did attend my first birth, I was so excited. I was just like, oh, this is... You know, everything I've ever wanted to see, like the culmination of the power and like this this mom, the, the first mom whose birth I attended, we had done so much work together. Like she was younger than I was at the time. She was like 21 I was 23. And we had just really come to a place of trust that it was hard for us to get there. But like, it felt it felt really special. And it felt, I felt very honored that she wanted me there because at first it was really hard to, you know, find that point of connection. And so I was just, I was so excited. I was like supposed to go on vacation, cancel my vacation. Cause I was like, I can't, this is birth. This is like all i wanted to do. And of course, like, because it feels like you're going to get to touch the Holy grail. Yes. And I was like, I'm so excited to see this woman mm-hmm. in at the peak culmination of everything that she's worked for. Cause I saw day in and day out her struggle to stay s- sober, struggle to say stay alive, like mm-hmm. stay supported and um, yeah. you know, continue with the pregnancy. And it was just like, oh my gosh, like it's it's worth it, it's worth it, it's worth it. <sighs> uh, yeah. I mean. There's definitely a huge, um, kind of like karmic pattern or, or something that I have with this woman and and her baby, because their her baby actually died two years, like after the birth. Oh my God. Yeah. Due to like health complications and everything, but it was the same. This is crazy, but he died the day that the Radical Birth Keeper School opened for enrollment. Yeah. And it was just like, this is, you know, this is the answer, but that's kind of skipping forward in the story. But yeah, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible experience for me. Um, You know, I can't speak for her, but I, from what she, you know, went through and from what she debriefed with me, I can totally say it was traumatizing for her as well. And I just, I remember leaving the hospital and, literally collapsing on, like, the floor of the parking garage and just crying. And my, like, worldview was shattered, I felt like, because I was like, wait, this is what happens? Like, this is birth? And I knew it wasn't. I remember that. Yeah. I
1: literally (laughs) collapsed in a parking garage after my first hospital birth, too.
2: Yeah. And I went back to the house, and I I remember no one else really... None of the other volunteers really like getting, getting it, you know, cause they had been to other births and they were just like, yeah, whatever. But I was like, okay, clearly I'm seeing something differently. Like I had a really just clear lens of like, no, this shit is not right. And like something, something's not right. And I think it, once again, this kind of like getting thrown head first, it was like the connection for me that I saw between knowing these women's histories and it wasn't just these women, a lot of women, most women have history of sexual assault and sexual abuse and just seeing that direct parallel. And I'm just like, you know, I took everything in me to not like wrestle the doctor to the ground and like scream. Um, and I've had to like do those things in my, kind of like trauma healing work going forward because I don't know how you watch over and over that kind of shit and not just like feel it building up in your body. You have to
1: compartmentalize it and lie to yourself. Yeah. You have to create cognitive dissonance and believe that it's worth it. And if, if, you know, and and as doulas are trained and as women are trained to believe that it's so dangerous to birth and you're right on the cusp of death at any point and your body is so unpredictable and, you know, not to be trusted, you have to believe all these things consciously or unconsciously to build and allow an entire you know business of support Mm -hmm. around watching women get abused and and you also as you know have to really believe that you as the doula are making a difference right and i you know for anyone who's new to the podcast i'm saying this after a decade of doulaing like i'm i'm not i'm not on my high horse about this this is this is brutal discovery
2: Yeah, and I wonder if it would have been the same for me if I hadn't spent the past nine months hearing the details of Mm -hmm. their lives and what they had gone through and how they had healed and how, you know, just seeing that work day in and day out. Um, Well, I think also a lot
1: of doulas, like, my approach was reform, it wasn't ever, oh, yeah. the hospital system's fine. And I, don't, and I don't think a lot of doulas that I've ever met think that, right? It's more like, it's the total hero complex. Like, you know, I, I saw a, a handful of normal births at home, more or less normal, and then went into the hospital system and was like, same as you, like, what the fuck? This is what's happening? Oh, okay. Now it's on. And Mm -hmm. I remember being like, okay, it's on like, this is, this is where I am now, but it was all rooted in reform. And I think that's where most doulas, whether they know it or not, are committed that Mm -hmm. this idea that if they,
2: they can make a difference from the inside. Yeah. And that's kind of where I went after that first birth. I was like, oh yeah. Okay. This is the system that I'm going to get in and Uh like save, um, you know, I finally found like the system that I'm like, okay, if I just fix this one,
1: <laughs> this, this then, one system,
2: <laughs> then everything will be better. And that's really how I still mm-hmm. view healing birth, but it was, you know, kind of a inverted way of looking at it. But I knew that I had touched on something yeah. um, there because of just the drastic change that I'd seen in these moms that I just love so much. And, um, So I'm after that birth and a couple other births, I met a doula who would like come and volunteer at the house that I was living and just like talk to the moms and hold like kind of like prenatal circles and things like that. And I was like, tell me what a doula does, you know, and she told me and, and she was, she was, um, more conscious than most of, she kind of was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a home birth doula. I don't go in the hospitals, you know for XYZ reason. And I was kind of like, well, I'll like, that'll be my thing though. Like I'll go in the hospital and I'll be able to make changes that, you know, clearly the millions of people before me just weren't able to make. (laughs) Like, I can do it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, leaving that year and having so much trauma from that year. Cause I wasn't really able to process just anything because I was living with the women. And so it wasn't like I could go to work and come home at the end of the day and like talk it out or cry it out. It was constant. It was just like immersing myself in this, in this lifestyle. So when I left, I had so much healing to do. And a lot of it was body-based and I got really into like somatic therapy. Um, and in that i just learned i was like oh i can't bring my nervous system back up to that level again and again that's not healthy or safe for anyone and i did take um the like dona doula both postpartum and birth doula um trainings and i thought that was going to be my path um I didn't learn anything from the training. I remember leaving being like, huh, I thought I was going to be like changed. <laughs> Me
1: too, dude. <laughs> but
2: I was like, so there's three different positions you can put a woman in when she has an epidural. <laughs> right. And this is what a force is. like like. Yeah. So I just, I left there being like, okay, well, I know this is the path. I just, I guess I don't really know how I'm going to get there because that didn't really feel... Like it was it, but I, I tried and I'm the type of person that like, I dive into things and I'll, I will do them once I have the idea. And I couldn't figure out why I wasn't pursuing this doula route. Like I was just like, it didn't feel right. And I never did the reading. I never wanted to do the reading and I never wanted to fill out all the like certification paperwork and everything. And I just was kind of in this place of limbo where I was really passionate about birth and moms and knew this was my path, but just didn't have any idea how to be the woman that I wanted to be like in this birth space. Um, And then I, I stumbled upon the free birth society because in my doula training, someone mentioned free birth and I had never even heard the term. Um, and the like trainer was like, oh no, I'd never attend a free birth. Like you never want to do that. You know, get out of that situation as soon as possible. And of course with me, I'm like, ooh, what's that? You know, I I was like the one thing that they tell me that I shouldn't do. I started getting really interested in it. Um, And then shortly, very shortly, was like, oh, it's just birth. Like, free birth is just birth without all of the other shit that I was traumatized witnessing. Like, it's birth without the abuse and the medical rape and the rape and the bullying and the sabotage. So that was, it was both like a mind-blown moment, but also just a complete, like, yeah, this is it's so simple and this is it. Um, and I just started listening to, you know, every podcast and just remember like hearing everything that you were saying and just being like, yes, like I want to do what this woman is doing. Like, I don't know how she got to this path, but like, I need to figure out a way to be like this. And it, it felt both, you know, radical and this like new path that no one around me was forging, obviously, but then it also felt so familiar and like ancient and just, you know, feeling this tug between doing something like progressively new and paradigm shifting, but also just reconnecting to like the roots of how birth has always been. So that got me really into just like diving into the history of birth and, you know, the business of being born was like documentary that I was like, now if I watched it would probably have like some issue, but that really helped me understand how we got to where we are.
1: Yeah. The and historical how- stuff in there is great.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that I was like, okay, so you know, a- along the way, it got fucked up like everything else. But we can go back to how it was. Um,
1: or even better, go forward to a whole new life where birth can happen most of the time undisturbed. And we can have surgical centers for the rare, 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 mm-hmm. rare, 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 rare needed times. Like mm-hmm. that's what's up. Oh, Yeah. That's not what's up currently, but that could be what's up. (laughs) Right.
2: Well, and that's really what, that's what made me realize that, okay, this is going to take me like transforming into uh, like a new woman almost. Like I have to really shift like my perspective on life and like relearn so many things. And I really wanted to, because I felt like there was this you know, magic on the other side of, of trusting and believing that like our bodies are not broken and that we are able to give birth and to heal the world through that. And, um, so that kind of started my process of like deprogramming all of that. And I felt like my eyes were just like opened from that way, from that day forward. And, um, and then the radical birthkeeper school fell into my lap and at the perfect time and there wasn't even a question like it was just this is what i've been looking for like not a professional you know here's how um yeah here's like your little doula badge and here's how you talk to the doctor and here's how you like Get the nurse to like you and bring cookies to the nurse's station. And I, all of that, like literally went against every fiber in my body, (laughs) realizing that I needed, I needed formation. Like I needed to be trained in, not in, like, again, how to suck up to a doctor and how to help a woman not get an episiotomy and how to like hold a woman's hand while you know, she gets raped and I was like, I need to learn what I have to unlearn. And I have to, you know, I need to remember like the ritual around birth and the ceremony. And I'm reading the red tent right now. And, uh, it's so beautiful to just like I literally reread paragraphs of just like the women and their, the way that life was. Um, and, and just the stark contrast now of how we have lost so much ceremony and intention around anything. Um, and that's really like what I found in the radical birthkeeper school was the formation that I was looking for and like how to help, me uh, or how to show me the tools to become like the woman that I need to help usher in like this, this new way. And, um, you know, that, that woman that I'm becoming and that I was surrounded by in the school, like she's not in the system trying to cater to anyone and trying to play like the good girl and try to undercover, you know, make change or lie to herself that she's making change. Like, right. Like she is, she's like a goddess and a a trailblazer and a leader. Yeah. And the, um, the quote that I'm pretty sure I heard on, on your podcast, like about being the lighthouse that, that, you know, shining brightly and reminding women like the way home, reminding them who they are. Um, Yeah. And I have, I've I've thought about that, um, you know, every day. Yeah. So the school really, once again, threw me just into this portal of um, becoming a a new woman. But again, it's like, it's like the woman that I I would have grown up to be if I had been surrounded by mm-hmm. you know these rituals and these matriarchs and these women, these women that were connected to their cycles and to the births. And um yeah, yeah it's like that's the great remembering. Yeah. And so who uh, it just felt so great all along the way. So who are you now? What is
1: what does li- life look like as a as a birthkeeper beyond uh, yeah. Yeah, the school?
2: I feel like it's given me so much freedom. Whereas when I was, you know, trying to pursue the more professional doula route, I was like, okay, I can only do this and I can only say this, and I can like I can't do this, or else I'll get like kicked out and you know, I can't so many rules and so many codes to like fit into and through the radical birthkeeper school it's like I've allowed I've allowed myself to dream up just a whole community of 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 women and and how can I bring women in and how can I connect and um start like rebuilding the the world like as I want to see it instead of just Reforming and fixing the things that I could see were messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I definitely consider myself a birthkeeper, but it's so much more. It's the woman that, you know, my friends come to when they have questions about their periods and birth control and anything to do with, you know, birth and pregnancy. Of course, it's like somehow I'm I'm over here. Keeping all of these, you know, these truths that have just been hidden, and and it's community organizing too, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's doing the
1: circles, it's doing the the women's gatherings of spaces and protecting those spaces and and you know showing women what leading and guiding what it means to connect in intention and in ritual even as we fumble through it, you know, it's like, no one taught me how to do this. Like we're all just kind of picking it up and figuring it
2: out along the way and trying it out. Yeah. And finally being able to kind of get to that root of like, okay, yeah. When more and more women are connecting back to themselves and each other, then this is how the world changes. Like, you know, changing policies is great. And changing you know laws and all those things from the top down but the real true sustainable change in the world I see comes from women being in their power and um that's really like the school really helped me step into my own power and um when a woman does that it's like the women around her all either step up or they kind of run away. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, both of those things have happened to me, honestly, since the school there have been, I've lost some, some people, but then other women have come out of the woodwork that I didn't know were in this area. And women that were in my life that I didn't know, um, were so powerful Mm -hmm. and, oh, it's been so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. They're watching. Yeah. We
1: just talked about that in the school. In the new new cohort, um, just our last class was was kind of referencing that that this is, this is a big like the image I get is like shaking a tree,
2: <laughs> like <laughs> anyone
1: who's not here for it just kind of <laughs> falls off, and that it is, um, it can feel lonely and it can feel, um, you know, there can be a lot of sadness in, in yeah, the loss or the grieving of, of what can happen, the more you live in your power and in your authenticity and the people who are just not up for that and how that triggers them and
2: mm-hmm. turns
1: them off. But you know, in that, like you said, the people who come forward, it's like it's like calling in your playmates you know, Mm -hmm. and the playmates change. And, you know, as my mentor says, the playground gets smaller, like who (laughs) who comes to the playground, uh, the list gets smaller, but it's a co-creation. Like I don't want to play with a lot of people anymore because I want to play in a certain way that, you know, has these conscious leadership tools, you know, at, at, at the forefront there's a certain integral way I like to play with people in my life when I say play I mean communicate and be in conflict and create you know all of it and yeah it gets smaller and smaller (laughs) for sure but the people that are there are fucking epic
2: right and I've had definitely had to check in and be like okay am I you know okay with losing this connection or okay with losing this friendship and every time it's been like Yes, because I love who I am and like who I'm becoming. And I've never, it used to be so much more externally sourced. Mm -hmm. And like, honestly, after the school and during the school, I learned how much I truly like wanted to start leaning into my inner sourcing and my intuition and how Mm -hmm. that for me was the most important. So then all of, you know, any friendships or relationships that I've kind of that have been growing apart or that I've lost. It's, it's been like peaceful because I'm, I'm excited about the direction that I'm going in. And just like you said, like I, I know that there are women that I'm calling in and relationships that I'm calling in. And the more that I can just be clear about that, um, it's a really like exciting future. Mm-hmm. It's like I just a, a rebirth. I
1: love that. That's really, that feels really gratifying to, to hear that one of your biggest takeaways was, was to like turn into your own authenticity because that's what's up. Right. And in the, in the mm-hmm. framework of the tools, you know, it sounds like you, you are choosing and learning how to really generate your own approval and security and control and what happens in that. Like you just like unshackle yourself to all of this social um, prison, you know, that we're born into, and And it is the journey of becoming a leader. It's why these tools are called conscious leadership tools, you know, is it is the path of being a a conscious leader and like what is more exciting for the world than a woman becoming a conscious leader? Oh my God. Right. It's (laughs) everything, you know?
2: Yeah. So cool.
1: So yeah. is there anything else you wanted to say or share?
2: Hmm. Um just that if you are a woman looking for formation and looking for community and sisters to to bring you back to yourself and to like bring you back to your intuition and the the knowing that you have, um, deep down, obviously I would highly recommend the radical birth keeper school and also start with connecting with women in intentional ways, um, in your community. And if anyone is in Baltimore, I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, and I do in-person circles and, um, just love connecting with people. And that is, really the way forward in like this time where we are increasingly more and more and more isolated um so I think just keeping that vision of women gathering in this time where it's literally like illegal to gather and the astrology right now of of the of the current moment is directly parallel to a lot of what was going on during the witch hunt times in like the 1600s. And I see it the same, like we're being, yeah, we're being so tracked and separated and scared and isolated. And I think deep, deep, deep down, we know that that's not the way.
1: Someone in my family the other day I was saying that stuff and they were like So you think there's some like motive? Like what what do you what do you think that they get out of this? I was like fucking kidding <laughs> what like like that it would be like crazy to conceive of a sinister uh motive right. for
2: control <laughs> like,
1: right it was like actually laughable like my god
2: and that's okay. the that's the other thing that I was that I was gonna say to like once you leave one system right that's like fucking you over yeah you it's over you start yeah. leaving everything like yeah. I'm like oh wow I, you know, I was a teacher and now I'm like, my kids are never entering
1: totally. public school. Like, totally. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. Well, that so. is,
2: I think, possibly, you know, death. Well, for, for me, for sure,
1: one of the gifts in, in the cray-cray of what's happening is, is it is inviting me, pushing me to go even further in creating my own systems, my own culture, my own community, mm-hmm. my own schools, my own everything, you know, mm-hmm. and... It's like, okay, well, I guess I guess it does have to get things have to get really bad for shifts to happen internally and externally. So here we are. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> here we are. So how can people find you?
2: Yeah. Um, so my birth business name is Leo Rising Birthkeeping. So I'm on Instagram as Leo Rising Birthkeeping, and my website is Leo Rising Birthkeeping.com. Um I also have a podcast, um, called the fifth element and we talk about astrology and, um, spirituality and overall connecting to your intuition. So we do talk about things like birth and, you know, other, other avenues that women reconnect with their intuition. Um, and again, I'm in Baltimore. So if anyone wants support and friendship, um, I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, and I do also online virtual support and coaching. So you can find me on any social medias or through my website. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. This is a dream. And that's it for today,
1: my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching. Learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on FreeBirthSociety.com. Our online courses are on FreeBirthSocietyCourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. Our opening song is by Shia LaRae. And now, I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman, by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom
0: you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival Withstanding the eradication of our power by design I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me My sisters will no longer birth in captivity The picket line redefined from burning our wild women To paralysing us and drugging our babes Strapped down in a clinical white bed Drying up the milk from our breasts Keep your needles my family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison We reject your fear, we choose love Everything with intention, death, ascension I will fly and bring her back from the stars.